Why are we so intrigued with the paranormal, despite not having any evidence that unearthly things exist at all? The answer for me is quite simple. It's because everyone loves a good story. Creepy, scary ones. Ones that make you nervous to turn off the lights. Join me, Nicole, at Unearthly Paranormal Stories as I share true, mysterious, and sometimes downright terrifying tales from real people in a fun, unique, and spooky way. Find Unearthly Paranormal Stories on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information or to tell me a story, check out our website at www.unearthlypodcast.com. Welcome, five listeners. This is Perhaps It's You, an unofficial Unsolved Mysteries rewatch podcast. My name is Liz. My name is Samantha. We have a special guest today. His name is Mac. We don't know where he came from. He just showed up here and demanded to be on our podcast. <laughs> and we're very accommodating, so we were like, yes. It's also possible that I married him at some point in time. It's possible? I mean, it was in Vegas, so who knows, really. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Mac's like, I got the divorce papers ready. This isn't going to go well. (laughs) Mac and I, back in the day, used to co-host a college radio show together. Oh, this I did not know. Ye Old Stink Rat Radio Review. (laughs) Yes. And that is not something I recommend doing if you want to stay together. It was was great. (laughs) We definitely agreed. We got along great. We got along great. We definitely never thought about it. So... (laughs) This isn't bringing up any memories for me. That's what's important. Mac, how are you, what are your feelings on Unsolved Mysteries? Do you enjoy when Liz makes you watch it so that she can prepare for this podcast? It's fun. Yeah, no, I, I like. I remember watching the show as a kid, and um, I really thought it was more about aliens than it is. Like going we through, we all thought about that. Yeah, it's just a bunch of dead people. But I think um, the aliens is scarier when you're a kid. Yeah. And then as you get older, you're like, well, that might not even be true. But what's definitely true is people just getting brutally murdered from time to time. Yeah. No. I, yeah. It's 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 much darker than I remember. But um, it was just family fair. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure if, as we watch if we'll get. I'm not sure how the segments are put together. Are, are we going to get like more alien segments as we go on through the season? Maybe. Maybe. I I definitely remember it being pretty alien heavy you know, 93 or so. Uh, so maybe we're, you're just not there yet. I really associate it with the show Current Affair. Do you remember that show? Mm-hmm. It had a the... very surprising, like, warm yes. sound at the beginning. Okay, so yeah. lots of people tell us when we bring up Unsolved Mysteries that they're still scared of the theme song. And I'm like, whatever. What I sc- was scared of as a kid was the Current Affair <laughs> noise. It's not even a song. It's like a... But yeah. and then the... oh yeah, but that was a that was a syndicated show. I don't think that had like a regular time. I remember that being on with like hard copy and uh, um, sort of like crummy entertainment shows. Yeah, yeah, guys, we're we're really old. <laughs> In case you were wondering, <laughs> Samantha's like, not me. <laughs> nope. <laughs> She bathes in the blood of the innocent and the cubes are youthful. Why do you think I don't have any wrinkles? No, I have wrinkles. I assumed that was Korean skincare. Well, you know, that's my secret. Yeah. Cheap Korean skincare masks from Marshalls. <laughs> hey, they were. 
So that's a very important reason why we brought Mac on this podcast. We were not looking forward to doing this RFK segment at at all. all. We've been kind of dreading it all season, and we were just grasping at straws of how we could get out of researching it. Could we have spent that time we were trying to get out of it, actually doing the work? Were we like a kid trying to get out of their homework? Yes. Yeah, we could have. We could have. But what we did instead was make Mac do it and come on the show. <laughs> so you, thanks, how thanks how babe. You, how do you sure. feel about that, Mac? He's like, I'm oh, used to this. Yeah, no. I'm used mean, to this treatment. <laughs> Before we get too far into it, I, I read an article not that long ago, and I don't know what you guys thought about it, but it was about um, paying podcast guests. It was about like how podcasts. Are... <laughs> I don't know if you sure, read that. Okay. Did you read that? Uh, no, you guys, I missed that, that, that one. You know, actually, one. a lot of our guests have given us gifts, hmm. so yeah. I'll be waiting on that. It's interesting. Well, I just thought it was a good article. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe we will. Oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. I'm right. real busy. I don't know. <laughs> Do you have any updates before we jump into this? Oh my god. No. I don't think I do either. This um, is the last episode of season two, though. I-, I think people did tell us stuff we got wrong, and I just... We mispronounced something. I don't remember Water off the duck's back. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, whatever. It, was, uh, it was belly. <laughs> no! We already addressed that issue. Uh, yeah, this is the last episode of season two, and I haven't watched any of season We've three. We've come so far. Up until this point, I had watched all of season one and two already, just on my own. Uh, we're in uncharted territory, or we're about to be. I've watched like half of season three, not even, and I don't really remember it, and yeah. Do we have two pod dogs in the room right now? We because do. Because they go everywhere Matt goes, so Lenny and Curtis are here. So cute. Because right. Lenny's favorite people are Mac and then Samantha, <laughs> who does not live here, and then me. Well, he sees you all the time, so yeah, it's not quite know, as exciting. feeding him, walking him, petting him. But then he's like, Samantha's here! And he totally loses his shit. <laughs> Even if I... Okay, sometimes I gotta listen to the podcast, make sure I didn't say anything totally stupid. Lenny will hear the song, start howling run to my computer try to flip my computer over in case samantha is under it well maybe i'm stuck inside he's just trying to help me out he's not real bright i gotta say he's sweet and adorable and a jerk and also not that smart all right are we ready are we ready to talk about we have to do it at some point robert kennedy fortunately i was under the impression that the only mystery in this episode was the rfk one there's a few others i think maybe the first time i watched this i either fell asleep or I just stopped. Well, I'm just not really sure. On it. I might have not watched the whole thing, or I like left the room for a while. Yeah. But our first case is the assassination of Robert Kennedy from June 5th, 1968, in Los Angeles, California. This is considered a conspiracy slash historical event. Okay. I don't okay. know that Unsolved Mysteries said that, or just Unsolved Mysteries wiki, but... I really liked that at the beginning of this segment, Robert Stack made a point of telling us they wouldn't normally do a reenactment of the assassination of a political figure, but they're making but an exception. They have to, since two nuts, nut jobs said, <laughs> maybe it didn't happen the way that you thought it happened. I'm like, all right, Robert Stack. He was, he was trying to make it sound respectful, I guess. I guess. It opens with some footage of the funeral train. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see actual footage that was shot right at shot right after he was shot. That sounds like a terrible sentence, but you understand what I mean. Yes. Did you guys know that Robert Kennedy was a U.S. senator? What? Well, he was. Yeah. And on the night of June 4th, 
He was celebrating his winning of the California primary election for the Democratic nomination of President of the United States. He gave a speech at the Ambassador Hotel. He left the press conference to go to the colonial room just 40 yards away. Went down the hallway and entered the kitchen pantry. While there, he stopped briefly to shake hands with the kitchen staff, which is classy. Yeah. Just want to add that in. Glad he did that. (laughs) Except that, at this point, he was shot multiple times and died 26 hours later at Good Samaritan Hospital. Five bystanders were also wounded. There are no photographs or videos taken of the shooting. According to official events, his assassin was Sirhan Sirhan, a Palestinian immigrant who had fired eight shots from a 22 caliber revolver at Kennedy and was convicted of murder on April 17th, 1969. The conspiracy is, was there another shooter? And we get a lot of people talking about how many bullet holes are in that room. A lot of discussion about the bullet holes and how many bullets there may be. That's basically the whole segment. It's kind of one of those things where someone says the same word over and over again and you kind of lose connection with the (laughs) meaning of that. Because they said bullet holes so many times it just became sound. It wasn't even like... Bullet holes? Yeah, yeah, it was like the Malkovich scene. The thing is, the gun can fire eight shots. They recorded eight shots. The FBI makes a diagram of where all those eight shots went. Lots of diagrams. Yeah, they Unsolved Mysteries makes like a, I'm sure, state-of-the-art at the time, computer animation. Mm-hmm. Some, uh, some figures and bullets. Some gingerbread men walking around in the kitchen pantry getting shot. I see like no evidence, personally, that there is another shooter. What did they present in the show? They talk about how one of the bystanders... Her entry wound doesn't match up with the diagram. Oh, right. It was from below, but then the diagram says says it ricocheted off the ceiling. Which just, doesn't that just mean it ricocheted off something else? Like, that seems like splitting hairs with the forensics. The thing is, there were a lot of people in this area. There's, like, a crowd. But you also, like, know the names of all the people who were in that room. Right. So... Mac actually did some research. Yeah. Thank Christ. So there are some some kind of strange things around this because one of the right off the bat, one of the odd things about this is that Kennedy wasn't actually supposed to go through the kitchen. He, his, the original plan was for him to walk through the ballroom and then go to this other. I think there was like a band in the other room. He was going to go watch a band play. Okay. And um, at the last minute, the you know, somebody from the campaign decided, no, you, you know, you just won this thing. You got to go talk to the press. So they were like, we're actually going to go. They kind of grabbed okay. him and moved him to the kitchen to go this other way. So that's, you know, that gets people thinking like, oh, why didn't he go with you? You know, what? Right. So that that kind of makes sense that you would find that a little suspicious. And then. Um, but it also could be. OK, it could be that someone purposely brought him through the kitchen to shoot him, or that could just mean it would be even harder to plan to shoot him because you wouldn't even know he was going through the kitchen. Well, sure. Yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't prove anything, but it's it's one of those things. Like, the, the whole story here is one of those situations where there's, like, a lot of stuff that doesn't quite add up. And, and from this segment didn't go through a lot of it, and I kind of wonder if it's 30 years old at this point, so... Um, you know, maybe they've found out this stuff since then, but... Uh, okay, tell us some other facts you uncovered. So, the, the biggest point of contention seems to be that the coroner, the autopsy showed that uh, the, the fatal bullet shot him in the head from like an inch away. And nobody ever says that Sirhan Sirhan got that close to him, right? That But then who would always... have? So, 
they didn't bring it up. And, and actually, I was looking at this guy, Dan Maldeo, who originally I thought was kind of like a, a trashy crime guy, you know? like Sure. Just, was he in the he show? Was, he was yeah, the guy was in the, the show that was that was like, no, we can't account for all these bullets. Okay. He was the like, yeah. most suspicious person. I could person. see why you would think that, because yeah. he strikes me as a... <laughs> yes, exactly. He seems like an ambulance chaser of right. the yep. true crime world. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what you call mm-hmm. that. And, and from drags. what I've, I've learned... There's kind of one of those guys in every city, and they they go around, and they're like Danny DeVito's character from uh, from L.A. Confidential, which is a reference no one's gonna get. But um, I get it. Yeah. Well, Wait, isn't that the Rainmaker? No. No, it was he was like the. Oh yeah, yeah. He was the sleazy mm-hmm. guy working with Kevin. Um, but uh, so that guy is um, working on a book at the time of the filming of this episode. And it comes out like five years later. So there's a lot of stuff that he uncovers. And he ultimately accuses, more or less, um, I didn't read his book, but I I looked up stuff about it. Um, This guy, Thane uh, Eugene Caesar, who is the security guard in... And they briefly mentioned... They briefly mentioned the security guard He also had a gun. He had a gun with him. He admits to have unholstered it. Right. And the discrepancy there is that his service weapon would have been a 38. It would have not been the same size bullet as the one. Okay, because it was a 22. Henry. Yeah, he, which is a very small caliber sure. bullet. So that's why, like, a lot of people are shot in the head and, and live. You know, they're, they're okay. okay. Um, cause Interesting. His, uh, Kennedy's friend, Paul Schrade, is hit in the forehead and oh it knocks God. him out, but he, he survives. Wow. And he's actually, uh, he, he actually does not believe the official story. He was in the room, but he was unconscious the whole time. But he does not think that Sirhan. But that's the, the problem with this is it all kind of falls apart once you ask, like, well, what did happen? Because nobody can answer that. They can just say, I don't think that what they said happened, happened. But, but then what actually, but did, what actually happen? did happen? And nobody's like, well... The closest you get are people saying that this, maybe it was a security, security guard. guard shot but then him he would have to have quick. a different weapon on him, right? And he did own a twenty-two caliber pistol, um, but okay. he sold it after the um, the you know after the assassination. And hmm. um, there's kind of some there's some suspicion around it, but there, it's all this kind of like smoky like oh that seems weird but there's never anything concrete it just just seems to me that with anything like this where you have like a ton of people you have a bunch of different eyewitnesses like it's not gonna all totally add up like you're gonna have some loose ends because eyewitness testimony is not 100 percent clear right i wonder how much we can trust the autopsy that said that it was two inches away because if it's anything like the reenactment and unsolved mysteries there was a ton of people around kennedy and yeah there's no way that he could have been that close yeah but then how could someone else be that close without anyone seeing it and yeah so it just seems like maybe some forensics is flawed more than i would believe okay maybe they didn't get the official story exactly right but that doesn't prove to me that there's a second shooter because i just don't see how that's possible without anyone noticing if you tell me the FBI or the CIA hired Sirhan Sirhan to do this, I'm on board. <laughs> I will listen to that. Yeah, and and he's he's still alive. He he's in uh, jail in San Diego and um, what just was recently denied parole. Get in uh, touch, Sirhan Sirhan. Uh, but he's never made that claim. He his he's been consistent well, of course that, not, Matt. That he doesn't remember anything about it. He what said was he, his motive? 
Um, so probably mental illness. Um, okay. You know, he had a very like taxi driver kind of obsession with uh, with Kennedy, but um, that seems to have stent. He was Palestinian, and um, Kennedy had voiced a lot of support for Israel, mm-hmm. and so um, it seemed to develop. Like uh, some people sort of point to that as like, no, this was actually what we would consider would be calling terrorism now but um but, but a lot of people say that were all the rage well and people that's were the getting assassinated like, left and right martin yeah. luther king had been killed like two months and one day earlier okay. so it was it was in the air it was his you know his brother had been murdered uh five years earlier and it was very so you could see how someone who maybe had some mental illness could have been sort inspired of fix, right. fixated right security was not what it could have been or yeah. would be today um, they show in Unsolved Mysteries how he like wrote in his journals like my obsession to kill RFK is like overwhelming or mm-hmm. something like that. I think he he had this like pinpointed fixation that if he killed him that somehow that would make things better. Right. Yeah, and and I mean what's going on there is very difficult to say. They you know there's a documentary on Netflix that um, it's like a four part thing about Kennedy and. Uh, Robert Kennedy, and it's it's pretty interesting. They talked to Sirhan's brother, and who still lives in the same house that they used to. Oh. I guess I guess you can take a tour if you really oh. want to go to <laughs> no uh, thanks Sirhan Sirhan's house. Um, I'm gonna pass on that. But his yeah. brother will pretend not to speak English when you get there. Uh, oh. so that was kind of a cute moment. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but he uh, said that their family was pretty happy that they. Um, they can't really explain why this happened. So huh. it's, it's not like he had been talking about it. They, they didn't see the signs. Yeah, there wasn't there wasn't a moment like with, you know, sort of more modern tragedies where people kind of look back and say, oh, yeah. This, this. Some of his neighbors said he was kind of weird and like, sure. hard to talk to. But, yeah, my but, neighbors probably said that a lot. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like that's going to be in my obituary. <laughs> She was kind of a loner. Why did she watch so much Netflix? She was weird and kind of hard to talk to. She had an Unsolved Mysteries podcast. That's not right. That's not normal. <laughs> what were they talking about in the episode? Because I'm going to admit, I barely paid attention to this. There was extra bullet holes in like a fridge Ugh, or something? What they talked about forever. Yeah, that that's the, the mystery in the episode. Or like, what are all these extra bullets doing? And And their point throughout is basically like, well, if we can say there was more than eight shots, if there was, you know, a ninth bullet in the room, then someone else had a gun because Sirhan could only have fired eight. Um, but do we know that those bullets would all be from that night? Sure, yeah. I mean, the, the hotel had been around a long time. It's not impossible that somebody had been shot in it, you know, Before. <laughs> 60 years earlier or something like that. Or, I, it's not that old, but, you know, it was around sure. in the 20s and things like that. So it, When people always getting shot yeah, in kitchens we know that blasting each other and, yeah. left and right yeah <laughs> um so the big part is there there were these like frames around the doors to the pantry this uh-huh. is considered the pantry and um there were bullet holes in it and the, the police took them down and brought them back to the station and here's another suspicious moment is that the police destroyed a lot of the evidence that is weird the, the that is suspicious concluded um, You'd think that would go in an archive or something. Yeah, and and in the episode of Unsolved Mysteries, the, the sort of chief investigator for the LAPD at the time was like, yeah, if I could change anything, I wouldn't destroy those panels because now everybody's talking about them. Right. And he's very much insistent that... Sirhan Sirhan is a, is a lone, is a lone shooter. shooter. who who did this on his own, yeah. 
that kind of says to me more that like the LAPD figured out that they did something really stupid, like let a right. dude with a gun within five feet of a senator kind of thing. You yeah, know? Um, like they're <laughs> they're covering their own tracks. Yeah, like that's yeah. actually what I think about a lot of conspiracy theories is that it's not some grand plan. It's somebody doesn't want to get fired. Right. Yes. Right. So then they, yeah, destroy evidence or lie or whatever because they just don't want the heat coming down on them. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know that there's, like, a puppet master controlling, you know, all of these things. Though, perhaps the FBI or the CIA hired here on certain to do this. Just kidding. I mean, he, you'd I? think he would have mentioned that by now. But you never know. I mean, maybe he's... Really? You're going to cross the CIA, Mac? Well, who knows what they do? I, I, well, if, if he was hired, I guess you're on But I think a lot of times when stuff like this doesn't add up, it, yeah, is it's someone's like, we didn't recover this bullet hole evidence properly. Or we, yeah, right. why, why right. weren't how, we taking a better care of the senator? Yeah, how was he in there with the gun in the first place? Yeah, so it's like, well, let's just get rid of this and now. But mm-hmm. that just leads it open to even more questions. And, right. Well, and I mean, this is a larger question, but the the more generally accepted narrative about Robert Kennedy is that he would have just kind of wandered and just waltzed right into being president in 1968. Oh, sure. And I don't know that that's true. I mean, the, you know, the California primary was a big win, but he had just lost to Eugene McCarthy in Oregon. And, you know, when I was a kid, I remember the idea was that RFK was the, the anti-war candidate. And if he had been elected, Vietnam would have been over and, you know, a thousand year peace would have, would have begun. <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, just, just one Kennedy after the other uh, leading us into the glorious future. But, um, but that, Ted, that, well, yeah. Um, <laughs> Not murder or Ted. Ted. Ted hadn't uh, gone for a drive yet. So... Um, <laughs> So Kennedy um, had a good shot of becoming of sort of, but but he was not the only candidate in sure. the race. And Hubert Humphrey, who ended up becoming the um, nominee, had like the machine behind him, right? Mm-hmm. Like this was the '68 convention in Chicago that became yeah. just a big riot, right? So um, Richard Daly the first was there, sort of greasing the wheels for Hubert Humphrey, and. Um, even though, you know, Kennedy won this primary, that didn't mean anything. Like the, the, this That's was a really good the, point. This yeah. was when the, the nominations were decided in a room of, you know, sm- cigar smoking. Like, Unlike uh, now. Bosses. Yeah. It's very transparent. Right. Yeah, it's extremely, uh, <laughs> it's so much better now. But, um, but it, it is one of those times where, like, it didn't really matter that he won the primary. That gave him a lot of momentum. But had he gone to the convention, he could have easily not been the nominee. Sure. Um, Huh, that's interesting. So it makes you wonder, and I think that with both John and Robert Kennedy, that the reason the conspiracies are so attractive is because it's this moment of like, oh, well, wouldn't that have been great? You know, this yeah, like, yeah, because the 70s did not go great, you know, and um, we could be on a different path. We could be on right? right. Yeah. So you look at this moment and say like, oh, if only I mean, but you have to say I, like, people voted for Nixon, right? It, Kennedy could have lost. Yeah. To Nixon. It, it would not have even, even if he had gotten How the nomination. How do you resist the charisma, just the raw star power of someone like Nixon? <laughs> you know, he's, he's uh, yeah. His, he his... looks like, as I saw last night, an old boot crossed with a blobfish. <laughs> <laughs> 
Now, <laughs> I mean, haba haba. But, you know, I mean, a big part of that election was an argument that, you know, he talked about the great silent majority, that, that the sort of suburban conservative people were coming back to... Oh, assholes. Of, to, yeah, but to say, like, all right, this, this 60s stuff has gone on long enough. This is good. Um, you rattle rousers. Yeah, basically, yeah. I mean, Kids that get was off the, my you know, lawn. And and so who knows? Maybe uh, Kennedy could have sort of united the anti-war sentiment with with. But maybe not. But maybe not. It's, it's, it's such a good say. thing history doesn't repeat itself. Yeah, yeah we'll never <laughs> be in that so position great? again. I, I, that's really interesting because I think I'm definitely guilty of thinking that way. That it was like, well, if. If Robert Kennedy had become president, we would be on. We wouldn't be here now. Like we would right. be on this like much better path. Right, and it's and easy to say, well, if only he hadn't been assassinated. Right, but that's not necessarily we true. We don't necessarily know what would have happened. Yeah. So I, I think I think that is it's why it's appealing. Why it's so yeah. appealing as a conspiracy theory because it, it. I mean, conspiracy theories, which I sort of love and I'm interested in, but you have to recognize them as like trying to pull some order out of just chaos right like yeah the idea that some random dude can walk up and kill the senator from new york who's on his way to potentially be president that seems almost more implausible than you know it was this master right right and you know you don't want to you don't you hate the idea that like no one's in control yeah that these just random forces are acting on you but so you make up these grand ideas of you know. instead of being like no everything sucks and nothing matters <laughs> well yeah i mean yeah life I mean. has no purpose <laughs> yeah. events just randomly um, occur and we all suffer and or, this guy might just come out of nowhere and kill you just for no good reason other than yeah, yeah. he's not well yeah and also assassinations were all the rage well yes <laughs> yeah, i mean this was a very i i don't know this was a time with a lot of change and it does feel like now mm-hmm. in a lot of ways yeah it, it's it's kind of interesting but it's then 19- we also saw all this footage of of people crying when robert <laughs> kennedy was assassinated i think this was in the special you were watching on netflix they showed footage of like yes. people hearing this news and they were all crying and you're like huh i remember what it was like when we'd be sad huh. when jfk died my grandmother locked herself in her room for three days she had a framed picture of JFK up in her house, and she wasn't even Catholic. Yeah, no, I, I, I had some very Catholic friends as a kid whose parents still had a Kennedy portrait, but, you know, that was more yeah. because she was of his, a, uh, She was a very dedicated civil rights activist who, she would get death threats, a car tried to run her off of the road, wow. the FBI had to investigate, so she was like... This is what's going to change, you know, and then... So she was devastated. Yeah. If, if you liked, and, and this is not um, to the two hosts of the program, but if you're a listener and you enjoyed <laughs> the, uh, the RFK segment, um, I do suggest, if you have Netflix, to, to check out that um, documentary. It's, it's long. It's, you know, four one-hour parts, but, um, but it's interesting because it, it, it has some of that same, like, oh... You know, Kennedy Things was our, our ray and, of hope, and, yeah. and it was snuffed out. But and I don't really think that is a very good interpretation. But I do think that you got to watch like his progression um, as a person because he started out as as a Democrat, but a pretty conservative guy. He worked on the McCarthy hearings mm-hmm. and um, and was the Attorney General who 
wiretapped Martin Luther King and stuff like that. He he was the Kennedys' relationship to sort of um, like like your grandmother being upset when John yeah. F. Kennedy died. That was not necessarily always there. That right. he was a friend of the sort of activist, um, the activist, yeah. or or you know he had a very both Kennedys had a very contentious relationship with civil rights leaders, and um, it was only over time that. Uh, they sort of warmed to Robert particularly. And, you know, he became good friends with Cesar Chavez and Dolores Huerta um, during their, the United Farm Workers um, strikes and things like that. Um, Don't eat grapes, everyone. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was, he, in, yeah, the grape thing. And My um, grandma, my, as we were saying last night, my grandma kept that going long after that was an issue. <laughs> Just, just, just didn't like grapes. Yeah. Yeah, I will never eat a grape. <laughs> I will never eat a grape. I'm still doing that farm workers grape strike and iceberg lettuce. Yeah. But um, and then if you like the conspiracy aspect, there's a little more. Um, there was a witness at the time that night who's interviewed um, both contemporaneously with the assassination and now, you know, in 2017 or whenever it was made, um, who saw a woman run down the stairs and said saying we got him we got him um we shot kennedy and and she was like what and had seen another guy come down with her um is that made up it's hard to say there's 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 talk of a woman in a polka dot dress who seemed delighted that they had gotten kennedy and who um was so allegedly polka dots, you say. So very stylish is what I'm hearing. <laughs> very uh, classy, um, well <laughs> yeah, put together interesting, woman. Interesting, funny, yeah. timeless. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. But she uh, classic beauty. But but she was supposedly seen with Sirhan at some point in the evening. Um, oh damn! Oh. But you know where he's at, and he's been he's been up for parole since the '80s. And keeps getting it denied, and you'd think. Yeah, I, I can't imagine that's going to go really <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah, I mean, no, no. It's, you it's, kill a senator. Right, I don't know yeah. that they're going to be like, yeah, let's give you another You're chance. Now. I mean, they did let. Um, didn't they let uh, Hinckley out of jail just recently? Oh, I don't know. Mm, I don't know either. Uh, Rochelle will let us know. Yeah. yeah, she will. Let us know, Rochelle. <laughs> I was just thinking that that person on Twitter you were telling me who was really. Who really enjoyed rewatching this episode is gonna be so thankful that we invited Mac on the <laughs> yes. show because like, we would have stopped talking about this long ago. I've been like, yeah, it was clearly him. Done. We would have Bye. nothing insightful to say, which I I don't. But this is all very interesting. So uh, there, are just a couple things that stood out. Um, uh, an interesting little tidbit. One of the people who tackled Sirhan Sirhan to the the table that they talk about. Uh, was editor of the Paris Review, George Plimpton. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, George Plimpton? Just the zealot okay. of the 20th century. <laughs> How can I be George Plimpton? That man got to do everything. Yeah, he did. He was he on was The like, Simpsons. He, he was like the fireworks ambassador of New York or something. <laughs> he is in Goodwill hunting. He... <laughs> I don't understand. He's had like yeah. the richest. He like played professional hockey briefly and was a boxer. <laughs> he had a very odd career to write about and things. Yeah, but yeah, George Plimpton was one of the people who. Uh, That's crazy. Sirhan, Sirhan. Um, so the, the the other sort of side of this that people look at conspiratorially is that Sirhan Sirhan got a pretty shitty um, defense. Like his lawyer well, was kind of a showboat and okay. was clearly there to kind of like. 
soak up the publicity. Yeah, to get known as his name is Grant Cooper, and he was he <laughs> a was, name we all know. <laughs> thanks to that trial, it worked well. But he was he was kind of there to clearly like they focused on this um, diminished capacity defense. Oh and right, not yeah. on any sort of like. Uh, Maybe he didn't challenging do it. the evidence yeah. kind of thing. So a lot of people uh, took issue with that. Um, Unsolved Mysteries Wiki claims that a man named Scott Enbert probably said that wrong. Yes, claims he was in the kitchen when Kennedy was shot and took several photographs of the shooting. However, he claims that his film was taken by investigators that night. He sued the LAPD in an attempt to get his photographs returned. However, the photographs would later be stolen by an unidentified individual. It is unknown if the photographs had anything on them that would suggest another shooter was involved. There's also a claim that in analyzing audio recordings that possibly you can hear 13 shots, but some people say they hear 8 shots. I'm... It's probably an echoey room. Yeah, I, that's not convincing to me at all. I, I also think like it was a revolver. You kind of it looks like a cowboy gun. You kind of think it's going to be 6, and so when you hear more, you're a little surprised. Oh, I mean, okay. Maybe okay. I'm you know, watch too many action movies. But if, you know, you fire too many bullets from a gun, you kind of go, oh, what's, what's, yeah, what's happening right. here? Um, and I have good news that you get to revisit this um, because Scott's photographs uh, are an uh, item on insel- Unsolved Mysteries in 1996. Oh, so, God. Um, good news. You'll be coming back. Yeah, you'll be going back for that um, because we won't have anything to say about it. <laughs> Why so, do you think someone would want Robert Kennedy dead other than just being mentally ill. Like, say it wasn't Sirhan Sirhan. What would be a motive for another shooter? Yeah, and that's a good question. Um, you know, the CIA thing would was uh, was out there. And, you know, what, what do people say about that? Uh, like, the Kennedys, I think mostly in retrospect, had this reputation that they were going to sort of wind down Vietnam and... Uh, you know, bring about this more kumbaya time. Yeah, yeah. Like in the Netflix documentary, they talk about how Robert and John Kennedy were basically the only people opposed to all-out nuclear war with Russia over the Cuban Missile Crisis. That everybody else in the huh. Kennedy administration mm. was like, mm, "We got to do it," and they were kind of like, <laughs> "That's the attitude." What they kind have? of world are we looking at after that? And they're like, mm, "Oh, wait and, yeah, wait and see, wait and see." So, so it, it, according to the documentary, and you know, I'm sure there's lots of disputes of this narrative, but that it was largely the Kennedy brothers who were opposed to to definitive action against Cuba and against um, against the USSR. Uh, so, post death for both of them, they've gotten this reputation as like opposing the the national security apparatus sure. and being sort of like. You know, and there's there's not just the generals who sort of want to, you know, never saw a country they didn't want to bomb, but there's also um, kind of the manufacturing aspects of this. Like, there's sure. a lot of money, you know, the military-industrial complex. What? Right? That's not a thing. Um, so there, there's some... The people who really love the Kennedys want to say that they were going to stand up to that and that they were going to pull us back from the spring. But I, I still think that that's very much that, like... What could have been wishful yeah. thinking? Yeah. yeah, I think that um, John F. Kennedy, you know, like Lyndon Johnson, kind of inherited Vietnam from John F. Kennedy. It was not, it was not like 
sure his war in a, in a lot of ways it was it was a bad idea for everybody who you know it even started under eisenhower but um the idea that john f kennedy was going to walk in was you know on november 30th of 1963 it was just going to be like no nope, you know what we're done being the imperial power that we have sure been. you know i, I just don't <laughs> buy that and um and i don't know that that rfk was any more like he was kind of seen as the middle position between Hubert Humphrey. This is in the 1968 um, Democratic primary or you know convention. Hubert Humphrey was Johnson's um, vice president, and he was sort of seen as the continuation of the Johnson mm-hmm. administration, uh, which was now wrapped up, tied up with Vietnam. Vietnam uh-huh. and Johnson kind of went hand in hand. And Eugene McCarthy from Minnesota was the um, was the anti-war candidate. And so Kennedy was like trying to find this middle ground between the two, which I think everybody thinks of him as this anti-Vietnam yeah. guy. And I, you know, he, he didn't, he broke with Johnson about it, but he didn't go to the whole, like, you know, we got to get out now. We got to, he, he wasn't the anti-war candidate. So I don't know that, the, why, you know, the CIA. What, why would they bother would to they kill him? Yeah, yeah. Why? Actually, you know what? You've, you've probably just talked me out of that. You know, you know the what? CIA has done some horrible things. That's so. the thing. If, you, yeah. if, if anyone yeah. suggests to me that a horrible thing was done by the CIA, I'm always like, hmm, yeah. probably. Yeah. I mean, we'll never it. know. But they, they tend to assassinate other leaders of countries and not... Um, That's true. Men. And so they you, do a really bad job of it. They they tried to kill Castro for so long, and they <laughs> never true. got him. That's died true. in his bed. Power. Rest in power for that. Um. <laughs> hear me out. Hear me out. So Sirhan Sirhan can't remember anything yes. about this. CIA mind control, mind erasing, hypnosis, amnesia. Think, think about it. So I'm saying, think about it. So Mac, do you not believe the conspiracy theory that the FBI or CIA killed Marilyn Monroe because she had slept with both Kennedy brothers and knew too much? And was a communist communist sympathizer who had converted to Judaism. <laughs> right. Yeah. Arthur Miller. Yeah. 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 Um, she was very serious about it. She was kind of a radical, actually. Yeah. No, I, she doesn't get enough credit for being sure. ahead of her time. I I don't know. I so mean, you, if, you if the FBI, so. they, they, they killed a lot of people. So who knows? <laughs> um, We're not ruling it yeah. out. All right. Well, it might um, have been a sleeping pill accident. Maybe. Sorry, Marilyn Monroe. So I, you probably want to move on, but one thing I'll say to end it is that the Ambassador Hotel was um, torn down, and um, so we can't go there. Can't well, you can because it's kind of interesting. So uh, the Los Angeles United School District, and um, I don't know if you heard of this guy, Donald Trump, uh, got into a uh, got into a a legal battle. Never heard of him (laughs) over the Ambassador Hotel. He wanted to put up a um, big hotel. Sure. You know, a okay. different hotel. And um, the school district, you know, wanted to build a school. Um, but oh, uh, happily be enough, the, the school district won, and now the Robert F. Kennedy United Schools are, are there. It's kind of nice. Um, there's That's a really big, nice. There's a big mural to him, and it actually has some of the... Um, and not a big mural to Trump, There's which is what a, he yeah, wanted he to put was, in. Which is the best right. ending to this mystery. Yeah, and it was nice. Trump but, lost to a school. <laughs> yeah, um, and the the documentary on Netflix has like the um, in the during the shooting, um, a busboy named uh, Jose Romero took like his jacket and put it under Kennedy's head and yeah. um, talked to him. And apparently, Kennedy's last one of the last things he said, he was like, "Is everyone okay?" And Aww. yeah, um, which is kind of nice, but. Uh, 
And then he was like, no, and then he passed on. So that's horrible. (laughs) Is everyone okay? No, several bystanders were also shot. (laughs) Well, they they told him they were fine. You know, they decided to to be kind and To be liars. But um, so so Paul Schrade takes uh, Jose Romero to the school and they can see like there's, you know, there's the Cesar Chavez and, and Robert Kennedy are in it. And then Romero is in a is in a picture sort uh-huh. of marching with um, the United Farm Workers and uh, Schrade is in one because he was a union guy. Okay. So it's this it's nice. There's there's a school there and it kind of talks about, you know, a lot of people um, were touched by his career and his, his sort of especially his sort of change from being sort of just interested in, in power and being a, a powerful guy to actually helping people throughout. At least that's the narrative of the documentary. Um, you know, sure. Depends how you look at it. It depends on how you look at it, how you feel about the Kennedys. Uh, People really like to, to lionize them. And some people really like to hate them. I think somewhere in the middle, maybe. Well, you know, political dynasties aren't really the healthiest thing for. um, Interesting. Interesting. Have you guys watched that Netflix show, Dark Tourists? No. So I wouldn't necessarily recommend it because I think it's a little bit gross. But there is an episode. So they go to different countries and they do dark tourism. So they go to Fukushima. Apparently, you can get a tour of that seems ill advised, but you can do all kinds of these weird touristy things. Okay. And there's one in the US where they go and you can get a tour of where JFK was shot. And there's literally like you can go get in a car and like a guy will draw this weird guy will like drive you around. And the host is like this guy who you would not expect to go. Like he was in Colombia talking to like some drug lords in like these like pink shorts with pineapples on them like uh-huh, uh-huh. That's, the, that's the kind of show this is and he was like surprised that the tourist was like went off about these conspiracy theories and i was watching the show with travis we were both just like isn't that why you go on a tour yeah a jfk tour to hear all of these conspiracy theories and i was wondering i mean you probably can't go to the school but I'm wondering if they have similar tourist attractions. I know that Mac has visited the location of the JFK assassination. Went to Daily Plaza, yeah. And he traded a guy a burrito for some information on it. <laughs> well, that's right, folks. We bring you the finest experts in the yeah, land no, on this I'm, show. I'm, I'm, uh, I have a, a little newspaper upstairs somewhere um, that it's it's. It's very small, Daily Plaza. Like it looked quite big in the in the Zapruder film and stuff, but it's. It's not very big. And, um, you know, you go to the book depository and there's it's like a, a little weird shaped intersection. And um, there's there's a couple guys out there sort of selling newspapers. Yep, and yep. and um, I didn't have any cash, but I so I was like, well, I'm going to go get dinner. I'll trade you some food for it. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, OK. And um, so I took him to Chipotle. And... Um, <laughs> Uh, I probably I probably paid a lot more. You overpaid. For the, yeah, for I think for sure. I think you know. That's all right. But it was not. He was he was he was nice guys. I don't. I, it's hard to say whether those those people are like I don't know. It's become such an industry that right. it was it was like eh, you're, you're probably making you know this. You haven't reprinted this newspaper since like <laughs> 1993, and uh, it's it's hard to say whether they believed it or not. But it it was it was it was interesting to see just. Because it's not very big, and that grassy knoll area is is you know maybe forty feet from the okay. The play. It's mm-hmm. it's pretty small and and interesting. I don't know. I don't have. Did uh, it make you believe the... in a conspiracy, or did you just go? 
no, this is a straightforward thing. I don't know. I mean, the thing, like, it's hard to say. Like, I'm not sure you got your burritos worth, Mac. If you well, were convinced. Read, I didn't read the, the newspaper cover to cover, to be honest. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> well, never mind. Let's uh, move on yeah. then. <laughs> Samantha has a ghost to talk about. I sure do. Yeah, I was surprised that there was more to this episode. Yeah. that RFK segment was long. I mean, it was just the word bullet holes over and over again. I mean, it was, but they stretched it out. So this is the unexplained. Uh-huh. All right. It's February 21st, 1977, around 9 p.m., and the Chicago firefighters respond to a call about a fire in an apartment building. The blaze was confined to an upper floor apartment. When they entered the apartment, they found that a mattress was engulfed in flames in the middle of the living room floor. Totally normal. Yeah, you know. Upon entering, uh, they extinguished the fire and then found a woman dead under the mattress. This is terrible. I know. The woman was Teresita Bassa. Which, for some reason, throughout this entire segment, they constantly have to pronounce her full name. Yeah. It's just Teresita Bassa. It does kind of over roll over off again. the tongue, but yeah. It seems- it, I don't think they usually refer to people by their full name like yeah, that. Yeah, that's weird. She died of a stab wound to the chest? Mm. Sounds like a horrible way to go. Poor Teresita. It initially appeared as though she had been sexually assaulted, but the official autopsy ruled that out. There was no evidence of that actually happening. So they speculate later that someone wanted the police to believe that the murder was sexually motivated. Sure. So Misdirection. Yes. Robert Stack appears wearing a trench coat and his favorite tie. Ugh. He's in a courtroom and he tells us that with little physical evidence, the investigation quickly reached a dead end. That was until the Chica- a Chicago couple came forward six months after Teresita's death to claim that she had spoken to them beyond the grave. I love everything about this part where they talk to a Chicago cop. And yes. it's, oh my God, it's so good. It's pretty good. So Teresita was an immigrant to the U.S. from the Philippines. She moved here in the 60s and she worked at a hospital as a respiratory therapist. Coworkers described her as dedicated and professional, she gave all her time and energy to her patients. She seemed really nice. She did. So there was no evidence at the scene, no fingerprints, nothing. This is, I think, the guy you were talking about, veteran Chicago detective Joe Stachula. Yep. Yes, it is. Rob- the most chicago guy ever. He, yes. He's eating two Italian beefs off screen. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Talking to, he's going to call in the score about how the Bears are really going to do it this year. <laughs> So, according to Robert Stack, he was totally baffled. Him and his fellow detectives are wearing Robert Stack-style trench coats throughout this entire episode. There's a part in the reenactment in her apartment where two cops walk out, both of them dressed like Robert Stack because they are going to a Robert Stack convention. (laughs) I I think Robert Stack really just set the trend. And then, yeah, like these... Like, well, if we're going to solve cases, we got to wear these khaki trench coats. Uh Like, Well, isn't... I mean, maybe Robert Stack is... Stealing their look, right? <laughs> Isn't he trying to dress like a cop, kind of? Liz has this look on her face. Like, how dare you? You take <laughs> that back. <laughs> it's over. Yeah. Just, get the divorce papers. We're done. So, I hope Samantha has better luck in her marriage. <laughs> so Detective Joe is willing uh, to follow up on any lead. So he goes to visit this couple. This is the fucking best. Oh, my God. (laughs) So they request to remain anonymous on the show, uh, but they both work at the hospital where Teresita worked. He's a doctor, and she is another respiratory therapist. Robert Stack says that they told Statula, whatever this guy's name is. Matt, how would you say this guy's name? I think they said, I think it was like, 
It was either Stacula or Stacula. I think it's Stacula. Okay. We could ask how to pronounce dot com. But no, it's all right. It looks like Stacula, but that's not it. It does look yeah. like Spatula, but with an S. So, anyway, Detective Statula <laughs> told, or they told him an unbelievable but compelling story. So, this is the story. The wife says that late one night, shortly after Teresita's death, she fell asleep at the hospital after a long shift. Seconds after she closed her eyes, Teresita was there, visiting her. With windswept hair. Yes, and a weird... Looking like, fine. Light. Illumination. Yeah. Yes. Two weeks later, at their home, the wife went to bed early, complaining of extreme fatigue. Her husband went in to check on her and discovered that she was talking in her sleep with a voice that wasn't her own. Also, she went to bed fully clothed and was wearing jeans and a vest. Laying on top of the sheets. Yeah, Yeah, that's how I go to bed. With one arm thrown over your head, whispering in a strange voice. I mean, that kind of makes you look thinner. That's why why pinup models always have their arms up. (laughs) It's just, like, flattering, you know? Sure. She's like, oh, I'm just... I just gracefully fell asleep in my regular outfit on top of the bed covers. Uh, So he asked her questions like, who are you? What is your name? And his wife responded, or the the voice that was possessing her, according to Detective Spatula, uh, that she was Teresita Bassa. And in the reenactment, she says, you must go to the police. The police cannot find my killer. Yeah, I would love to make that call. Tell them his name is Alan Showery. That's how it went. Yeah. Uh, so Alan Showery was an orderly who worked at the hospital with this woman and Teresita. Um, during a second session, is what they call this like possession thing that happens, uh, the voice that possessed this woman... Uh, became insistent that the husband go to the police. Why are you going to the police? Yes, the voice said, I will give you proof. And said that Alan has stolen jewelry from Teresita. And then um, the voice says, he gave it to his girlfriend. So I guess that's the proof. Um, Detective- that is actually pretty compelling proof. It I- proved it to me. I guess. I, I think, this is what I think happened. That this woman, and I don't know why she decided to come up with the story but she just like heard this or like she works with this guy she worked with teresita like she could have just found this out some other way like maybe he told her and for some reason she decided to pretend to be possessed by he's the killer i don't think it proves that there's a ghost okay yeah i think she there's some reason she doesn't want to admit why she knows this information yes perhaps i don't know they were banging I'm just going to throw that out there. Whoa. Oh, maybe. Maybe. Allegedly. Ale- allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> Good God. Allegedly. They were allegedly porking. I don't know. Because I find the jewelry evidence that he would Compelling. have Teresita's jewelry and give it to his girlfriend. Like, how else would he have that? Right. Like, he just ended up with a giant jade necklace of hers and a ring that she wore all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, if someone just ends up with my wedding ring or whatever, like... How'd they get that? And you're dead. And I'm dead. Maybe look into that person. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Detective Joe at this point says, the first thing that came to my mind was, how can I put this on an official police report? (laughs) This guy. That was hilarious. I love him. So what is so funny to me is when he first meets with this couple, so according to the reenactment, they asked him, do you have any experiences with the unexplained or the occult? A totally normal question. He would just ask a cop. He takes everything they say completely seriously. Yeah, and he's like, you know, I'm a cop and I've seen a lot of things. And then his, like, talking to the camera in Unsolved Mysteries, he just goes, 
it was a funny situation. <laughs> <laughs> and I, oh my God. He definitely also trusts his like coply instincts. Yeah. Where he's like, listen, I'm a police officer. I can tell when someone's bullshitting me. Go buy that guy at Gino's East Pizza. He has <laughs> really earned it. So Detective Spatula did not know if he could trust this information or not. He decided to do a background check on Alan Showery and found that Showery lived close to Teresita. Co-workers confirmed that Showery was planning to go to Teresita's apartment that night to repair her television. Uh, Spatula brought Showery... I can't pronounce his name now. In for questioning. He confirmed that he went to her apartment to repair the television. He claimed that he did not have the tools to fix it, so he went back home. Detective Spatula did not believe this so i think we just throw tvs away now i know we don't get any of them fixed repaired. we just throw them in the landfill yes so they brought in safer. yeah it's safer <laughs> i'm glad i'm glad that landfills are yeah. filling up with old unrepairable tvs yeah mm-hmm. it's great mm-hmm. so they brought in showery's girlfriend and asked if showery had given her any jewelry recently and she said that he had she agreed to let Teresita's friends and family inspect the jewelry. They confirmed that some of the jewelry belonged to Teresita, including a ring she was wearing. Yeah, that's very suspicious. Mm-hmm. And also, this reen- reenactment actress was like so over this. She whole was thing. so put out by Smoking, all this, and she was just like, "Yeah, he did give it to me. Whatever. What, what an asshole." <laughs> am I? Am I? Are we through here? Pretty much. So- I need to go find a new boyfriend. <laughs> I got time. I got things to do. So, <laughs> confronted with this evidence, Shaori confessed to the murder. He said that after he left Teresita's apartment, he made a plan to return and rob her. Why? I don't know. When he returned, he said that she let him back in. When she turned around to lock the door, he grabbed her from behind and attacked her. And then he tried to make it look like it was a sexual crime. I hate this because... She had no reason not to trust him. Yeah, he was just there earlier fixing her TV. He didn't have the tools. They worked together. They're like work friends or work acquaintances or whatever. Like, of course she's going to let him in. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, he had already come and gone and not done anything. It's terrible. Right. For all she knew, he was just coming back with the tool to finish fixing her TV. So It's it's awful. Yeah, really bad. Yeah, so then he took her bedroom mattress. After killing her, he took her mattress, placed it over her body, and set it on fire. Despite his confession, he pleaded not guilty to Teresita's murder. When a mistrial happened, he decided to plead guilty on February 23rd, 1979. He received only a 14-year sentence for this cold-blooded crime. I love the shade this person who wrote this on Unsolved Wiki is throwing. He has since been released. So this case first aired uh, in April 25th, 1990. It was also covered in the book Houses of Horror by Richard Weiner. Yeah, that sounds like a great book. This case... Really classy. I know. ...was one of the few profiled on Unsolved Mysteries that was solved prior to the broadcast. It focused mainly on the supernatural aspects surrounding the murder. Yeah, because they already had the guy. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that. R.I.P. Teresita. It's awful. And yeah, I kind of believe your theory that this unnamed woman was just like fucking Alan and that's how she there's, knew and she didn't want her husband to yeah, find out. Yeah, there's some way that she knew and so she made up this ghost thing. I mean, maybe they weren't banging, but there's something she didn't want to admit because right. Right. otherwise this is a very sad case. So it's nice that they focus on this ridiculous ghost element where she has like windswept Mariah Carey music video hair and then like <laughs> appears and is like, hello, avenge my dad. If you were murdered... Would you come back as a ghost to help solve it? Oh, absolutely. That'd be my first priority. <laughs> I mean, it depends on what what's going on in Ghost World. Like, if <laughs> you haven't crossed over yet, you don't know. Yeah, but 
I mean, is there cool stuff around? Like, I would have, I would want to see what being a ghost afforded me as far as opportunities. If it was go. a good use of your time, yeah. Like, if that's fun, then I'm like, I would I'm be, gonna be a ghost. I would be haunting. I would be burning down that yeah. fucker's house. <laughs> I would. That's all I would do. Unlike Arden, that would be out seducing people and then going, "Psych, I'm a ghost." <laughs> ghost <laughs> but, slut. Ghost slut. But um, which I think is an amazing use of ghost time. I would be completely focused on vengeance. Not even the person that killed me. I I, I think I would go beyond that. Just people who had wronged me. <laughs> so Liz watch it, a, everyone. Don't cross Liz in this life, or you will pay for it, it in the next. It's true. So it's, do you want your walls to weep blood, or don't you? <laughs> think about it. I, I mean, I, it really depends. Like if you can, like if you're stuck in the house, sure, you know, haunt people until you you can move along. But if if you get to just kind of like. There are around, fly around. Yeah. Stuff, I mean, like, according to Dangerous Linda, you don't have to haunt the place where you died. Yeah. yeah it's something so. you could be very emotionally connected to. Mm-hmm. So For Liz, that's going to be whoever. Whoever has <laughs> crossed my path. Sure. And deserves what's coming to them. <laughs> and you know who you are. Do you think there are any ghosts out there who are like, you know, I kind of kind of deserved it. Like <laughs> They probably, it sounds like they're more at peace. They probably crossed on. Probably. You think? Where they're like, you're right. Or maybe they want to like do. make amends for why they deserved it. Oh, maybe. Are they? They want to like karma that out. Just kind of like, you know, this is my fate. Just sitting around, yeah. like, I'm gonna like bored ghosts. Yeah, like they're like, I deserve I to be in this purgatory. Right. Yeah, they're like, mm, I was kind of an ass. This. Yeah, <laughs> I would hope that ghosts ghost people who are assholes in this life would have that kind of self-reflection in the next but they probably don't yeah. they're probably like i was such a good human i can't oh, believe yeah I'm yeah you're right they'd they're be... gonna be like super smug and awful oh, god can you imagine like being haunted by a smog yeah ghost? that'd be terrible yeah. you're so lucky that i'm haunting uh, your house god damn it <laughs> be terrible you again yeah <laughs> Or like if you if you were in a ghost you know um, situation like maybe two people had died in the same house and so you're one of them and then the other person is just like insufferable like two ghosts that don't get along <laughs> yeah I like bet two people have died in forever. this house this house is like more than a hundred years old yeah oh yeah the basement you guys have too yeah <laughs> for sure it's haunted yeah. so Do you think yeah, they get along yeah what if those ghosts different? don't get along they're like the odd couple of ghosts <laughs> it's like quit jangling your chain so loud yeah. some of us are trying to ghost sleep quick turning on those drills yeah ring and those r- bells ring the sex bell stop it <laughs> mac doesn't know what we're talking about because he doesn't <laughs> but that's something a ghost did on unsolved mysteries mac. yep all right there's one <laughs> he just looks away in dismay no i just i feel i feel bad for a ghost um some ghosts some others. ghosts yeah. the nice ghosts yeah the, the caspers of the ghost world yeah, some people some people do deserve to be ghosts, whether or not they realize it or not. Did you ever watch the the nineties live action movie Casper, Samantha, as a child? I don't think I watched that one. I no. have watched Casper. That house in that movie was like my dream, the Casper house. It's just like a gigantic, ridiculous haunted mansion that no one would ever live in and it <laughs> could not possibly be real. But Christina Ricci like falls in love with Casper, who's haunting her house. It's so sweet. Yeah kind of wish i was watching it right now he's talking about uh he's gonna invent a new type of mattress that you can just roll up and deliver give to every yeah. podcaster yeah mm-hmm. it's like oh, that's gonna... right folks so, so. Have your ma- yeah we are the one podcast not brought to you by casper mattress is you know, casper one of the companies we actually like asked for 
a sponsorship. I know we asked LaCroix and uh, they were like I polite think, about it. I think they were like, yeah, we'll get back to you. Never did. Crickets. Now I'm drinking Wait, polar water. Waiting LaCroix. on that. Whoa. Uh, <laughs> we might have asked Casper and I think they were like. We've tweeted occasionally. I think like, I, hey, I remember a tweet going out that said something like, hey, Casper, are we the only podcast you don't sponsor? <laughs> <laughs> and they were sort of like, well, look into it. Crickets. Crickets. <laughs> Maybe they heard what I said about Amazon and they don't trust me now. Yeah. <laughs> Not and then sure. we've revealed that, that their company is run, run by, by ghosts. Run by ghosts. Yeah, and that we actually sleep on an IKEA mattress. But if you want to change that, Casper, yeah. send me a free mattress. Hello. I will happily throw that. No, I don't. No. I don't want to. <laughs> Max, like, hold up. Don't commit to that. Take it up the stairs and get rid of the old one. No way. Oh, that's a really good point. <laughs> Still send us free mattresses. Samantha needs I'll them take for it. our house. Yeah, yeah. No, I'll we'll, take the mattress. Okay. Yeah, send it to us and we'll, we'll, we'll figure out where it goes. <laughs> we'll redistribute the wealth of mattresses. Um, we, there's one last mas- mystery just tacked on the end of this episode. A super sad one. Which I feel like is rude because this mystery deserved more prominence. I don't know. Also, I just feel personally connected to this mystery. This is the Las Cruces Bowling Alley Massacre, which... I bowled in this bowling alley several times before learning of this horrific nightmare of a case. Yeah, so is Mac. Mac likes to bowl under the name Dr. Bowling. I'm real bad at it. He's so bad at bowling that I can beat him, which is something I like in a husband. It's hot. Yeah. He- Scoring less than 100 points. <laughs> Yeah. Do you put the bumpers on when you go bowling? No, we probably should. We're both terrible. Oh, I, I know no shame. I'll use the bumpers all day long. We probably should not be in Minnesota. We're so bad at bowling. Okay. I'm joking because I don't want to get to this case because it breaks my heart into one million pieces. This goes back to February 10th, 1990. It takes place in Las Cruces, New Mexico. Ida Holgan. I'm not saying that right, am I? Which, her first or last name? Her last name. They, they said Holgan on the show, but uh, I think it's Holgeen. Uh, okay. Holgeen was in the kitchen of the Las Cruces Bowling Alley preparing for lunch. In the main office, day manager Stephanie Senek was adding up the previous night's receipts. Stephanie's 12-year-old daughter, Melissa, was there. And Melissa's friend, Amy, was there in the office. God, I fucking hate everything about this. At 8.20 a.m., which I'm shocked there was even anyone at the bowling alley, honestly. Yeah. A gunman appeared and forced Ida into the office, where the second gunman was already holding the three hostages. The two men forced Stephanie to give them all the money in the office, which was about four grand. After that, the victims assumed the gunman would leave, which is what they should have done. Yeah. Because they had the money, and from my experience with the Las Cruces PD, they were never, ever, ever, ever going to get (laughs) caught. And they could have just driven away with four grand. But no. They decided to shoot everyone at the head. Including, there was like a guest? At the same time, employee Stephen Turan arrived with his two-year-old daughter, Valerie, and his seven-year-old stepdaughter, Paula. He couldn't find a sitter, so he was dropping them off. And the gunman forced them into the corner with the other victims, and they were also shot in the head. Before leaving, the gunman set fire to the office of the bowling alley. Surprisingly, Melissa not only survived, but was in condition to call 911. Mm-hmm. So the paramedics arrived quickly and began treating the seven victims. Um, Stephen, his stepdaughter Paula, and Amy were all pronounced dead at the scene. Valerie Turan died in the hospital later that day. However, Stephanie, Melissa, and Ida 
survived the attack. Unfortunately, I'll just give you an update now that years later, Stephanie dies from complications from those wounds. Ugh. Authorities questioned several witnesses to the case. There's people that saw them in the parking lot outside. There's people who saw, um, survived the attack. Stephanie's brother, Steve, had driven past the bowling alley just minutes before the shooting. He saw two Hispanic men walking towards the building. Um, one was sort of younger than the other. They have really terrible composite sketches that one of them looks like Lionel Richie, and I'm very sure he didn't do it. <laughs> I think we would have figured that out by now. And also, he just doesn't really need four grand. No. <laughs> um, they're not really sure if this was a robbery gone wrong or if there was another motive. There's speculation that they might have been selling drugs out of the bowling alley, which is that really a surprise for a bowling alley? No. Not really. Why you would shoot a two-year-old over that, I have absolutely no idea, unless you're a terrible person and sending a message. Sadly, no one has ever been identified in this case. No one has ever been tried. They never found these men. Um, the bowling alley is now called Ten Pin Alley, but it does still exist. I watched a little YouTube video that I think someone had made for like school. <laughs> it was not very well done. Um, just for some a little bit more information on the case and. There is a documentary about this called A Nightmare in Las Cruces. I didn't watch that because it just seems like schlock. Well, so this case reminded me a lot of the yogurt shop murders. Yeah. There's a few podcasts about it. I read a book, which the book was very good. It was very long, called Who Killed These Girls? And that's very similar. These girls were closing up a yogurt shop, and there was victims that were just there by happenstance like yeah. someone's sister was there someone's friend was there just like helping them close up and then they were murdered for no apparent reason and then a fire was set and no one's ever solved that case and it's almost like i don't even want to read about this or know about this because there's no resolution and it's one of those things that kills you to know that this these people got away with it and are if they're still alive out there living their not lives having never come to this is a, justice this is a really really horrible case i hate it i'm glad we don't have a true true crime podcast and we talk about stuff like this all the time because oh, i can't imagine it's it's very upsetting to me um i the fact that they shot children like why over four thousand dollars over any amount of money you don't need to get rid of witnesses that badly also even with killing all these people they were never caught they were never gonna catch them <laughs> And if you're honestly, I mean, and this is weird to say, but if you're if you are caught for stealing four thousand dollars versus killing eight people or however many, yeah, like oh well, how, how do you weigh those two in your head and think that that's your why best bet is to kill people these people? Think that there is a drug connection. There's not really any proof of that though. Um, I'm I'm not going to watch that documentary. That's actually the the I was in Las Cruces and found out about this murder. We were at the movie theater and. So there was a trailer for this documentary called A Nightmare in Las Cruces about this horrible attack. That movie just seems like, I don't know. The, the director had made a bunch of other, like, massacre in Massachusetts kind of Yeah, and, I just don't um, trust. That's like, gross. I think yeah. it's manipulative. And some of these victims are still alive. And their families are still in Las Cruces and whatever. What My complaint about the Unsolved Mysteries segment is, for some reason, in the reenactment, everybody is white. I don't get that. And that is not the case. Yeah, that's no. Um, several of these people are Mexican American. I don't understand why that got whitewashed in the reenactment. It's just like 
not true to the crime. It's not true to the area. It seems like a weird thing to do. But um, it's really short segment. Very short. And that just makes me feel a little bad because I, I don't know. Deserved more attention. But also yeah. there's just not a, a lie. There's like, there's right, no yeah. evidence. There is really they, no, there's no fingerprints. There's other than the weird sketches. These terrible sketches of Lionel Richie and some really old man. <laughs> With a lot of wrinkles in his forehead. I, that's, that's really it. Yeah. My, my MVM pick was from this segment, but Did it's you give boring. that a name? It's just called Classic Cop. It was on a guy named Fred. Okay. Is that, is that Detective Rubio from The Last Cruises? I believe so, he, yes. Yeah, he had, he had a pretty good mustache. <laughs> yes. Um, I think, I think the, I watched that YouTube video thing with you, and they said that someone was living at the bowling alley. Like, that a guy... The owner. The owner. Also lives there. He was, like, living in the back or something, and was rumored to be connected to drugs and the fact that somebody showed up at 8 20 in the morning and they probably with, didn't expect all those people to be yeah there. like maybe the four thousand dollars wasn't really like they just took it because but they didn't like, kill that guy well he wasn't there yeah yeah they showed up they didn't want anybody to know they showed up you know i mean the the drug connection makes some sense that and, makes a little more sense yeah. honestly it's than so, the, so terrible it's, no yeah, it's really awful. awful just turn yeah. around and leave You're like oh sorry yeah. Oh, right. we're not going to bowl at 8 in the morning. Actually, this is a terrible idea. Bye. Bye. And then yeah. no one would have ever said anything. Yeah. I don't know. It's pretty awful. Um, Should we rate the episode? Do you have anything else to say about that That one? No. Okay. Mm-hmm. No. Mysteriousness. Not that mysterious. No, I guess it depends on whether or not you believe the conspiracy. I don't. I don't really either. Mac, how do you feel about mysterious? Thumbs up, thumbs down. I mean, they, they, um, they brought up... I, I think they all have points. This is specifically for RFK or for everybody? For everything. Oh, okay. You have to judge the episode as a whole. Okay. Um, I mean, I think that they the episode actually had less mystery in it than some of the stuff I looked into later. So uh, I'm going to say it's not that mysterious. Okay. Um, yeah. I'm with you on that I'm one. giving it a thumbs down. But, yep. the, the, but the, there is like... There are weird inconsistencies with the RFK okay. thing. Okay. So, so okay. like not all the way down, maybe. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> reenactments. That's the next category. Actually, I thought one of the re- the RFK reenactments was terrible. That like they're their, not great. Their first walking into the kitchen is like so phony and staged and the being tackled on the yeah, table. I thought actually it was kind of poorly done. The guy they got um, did look a lot like Sirhan Sirhan. So that's okay. That was all right. Their Kennedy was was. So so. That um, ghost looked really stupid. <laughs> real stupid. And her having visions or being possessed yeah. by the ghost was real dumb. Yeah, I'm a thumbs down. Thumbs for down. Fashion. Unremarkable. I didn't notice anything no. really about the fashion. Um, well, the sleeping outfit of. of yeah, uh, so that that gets a thumbs down for sure. <laughs> Not impressive. Not a great episode so far. Robert Stack. He's barely in it. He was hardly in it. He was, you know. He's wearing that same tie over and over again these it's days, so and it's ugly. really ugly. So that, like, I don't know. I'm a thumbs 80s down. Casino carpet tie. Yeah, Yuck. it's pretty bad. He probably shot like eight of those intros oh, in a row. Sure. I I want to almost give it a sideways for the two cops dressed exactly like Robert Stack. <laughs> Robert Stack. They names. get they get a thumbs up, but Robert Stack gets who cares? Sure, he gets a shrug. Okay, so we can rate this anywhere from zero to five Robert Stacks. I don't want to watch it again. No, two. I'm like a two out of five Robert Stacks. Mac, where are you at? I, I would, I guess I'll give it one more Robert Stack. Just um, you'll give it a three. I, well, yeah. I, I mean, I was more interested in the political thing, but um, 
but yeah, it's none of these are. I guess the I guess the ghost thing is weird, but it's really just some person sort of saying. By the way, this guy's guilty. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she probably it, could have just written like an anonymous letter. Right. That would have been a better way to handle that than pretending she got possessed by a ghost. I, or maybe she saw the. Um, well, we don't need to go back to it, but maybe she like saw somebody wearing that ring and like had a dream about it. You know? Oh yeah, that, maybe. Just, like, oh, that's much more generous um, than Liz's theory. <laughs> Allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. Before allegedly. You get sued by uh, those people. I want to add in a thing I meant to mention with that case was that my parents, when they lived in Chicago, lived in an apartment building that kept being arsoned oh. because someone had a beef with the landlord. And the first incidence of arson was when they were literally moving in. <laughs> like, they're carrying in a dresser drawer and... People are like, why did you save that in the fire? And they're like, no, we haven't even moved into this apartment yet. <laughs> and then firefighters at some point stole my dad's dress shoes. Oh. <laughs> so thanks for that, Chicago yeah. Fire Department. Real nice. Yeah. That's hilarious. But, I mean, shitty. That's really shitty. <laughs> Go into the building and then take off my dad's dress shoes. <laughs> anyway, I don't know why I'm bringing that up. It's just another weird story about my parents. Well, that concludes season two, episode 19. Oh, we somehow made it for season two. Pop the champagne. Somehow. Congratulations. Pop. <laughs> that was it. Good. Should I do a Good. recommendation? Sure. Oh, actually, Maxie, do you want to recommend something? Sure. Um, I was thinking about it, and if you if you liked the, um, the Kennedy story, or if you were just more interested in the late 60s and, and 70s and things, um, I've been reading for a long time these... Uh, the historian Rick Perlstein has a series of books on the like the birth of the the conservative movement. Um, he started with the Barry Goldwater campaign, um, oh, okay, and then uh, his probably most famous edition one is called Nixon Land. Um, that one uh, sort of tracks the rise and and fall and rise again of Richard Nixon, of historical hottie Richard Nixon, <laughs> and um and then there's there's so it's it's kind of a history of the of the late twentieth century. Um, the one I'm reading right now is called uh, the Invisible Bridge. It's about sort of the period between um, Watergate and uh, Ronald Reagan becoming uh, president. Uh, becoming our greatest president um well you know this this uh but it's just fascinating (laughs) um in case you're new to this podcast it's it's really interesting because it it dispels a lot of myths like the ones we were talking about like that that you know about the kennedys and about the the, the kennedys um, aren't saints sent from heaven to save us from something something well and it's just like especially considering you know post 9-11 and the sort of security state that built up around that like what the 70s were really like like there were just bombings all the time you know yeah. oh like, you mean the glory days of hot skyjacking <laughs> yeah right like people were people were stealing airplanes and people which were, everybody seemed um, I, I wasn't alive then but everybody seemed cool with like yeah. oh, that just happens just, hey. got, sometimes planes get hijacked stuff got really weird and um unlike unlike today right where well, things yeah are unlike where normal. everybody gets locked down the idea that someone could could put a bomb at the airport in at christmas and we would just kind of be like eh, whatever um <laughs> like, that doesn't christmas. yeah it doesn't seem like yeah. a very uh well, we've at been least 2000 whipped into a, a frenzy sort of at this thing, point yeah. 
yeah so it's it's very it's very interesting to like be reminded of stuff that was popular stuff that's like myths that aren't true and and uh, they're very good books so and they're they're good reading too they're 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 cool nice i'm going to recommend a show i wanted to recommend before but they took off netflix but now is on amazon prime oh so you can i can finally recommend it which is called appropriate adult it is a mini series i believe there's three episodes and it is about the serial killers fred and rosemary west oh okay in england and it focuses on mostly on Fred West and his trial. And this it's the true story of this woman who is brought in to be his appropriate adult, which is just someone from the community who is there to represent the interests of someone being questioned by the police. And usually it's like minors, but it can also be adults that they consider might have like diminished capacity or low IQ. Hmm. So she's brought in, despite having like no real experience, to like be sort of an advocate for him while he's being questioned and it sort of and it looks at it through like her point of view i like it because it doesn't really these are like grisly horrible disgusting murders it doesn't focus on that it's focusing on the relationship this woman has to the case and how she ends up getting like sucked into it and manipulated by it i think the acting is phenomenal it has dominic west if you watched The Wire, he is playing Fred West, and he does a really great job. All the acting is really good. I liked it a lot more than Mac did. He didn't really like the resolution of it, and I feel like that's because it's a true story, if okay. that makes sense. Like, there's only so much you can do, like, with the plot, right? considering that it's based on actual events. But I think it's really well done, and is definitely worth checking out. It'll only take, I think, like, three hours of your time, so. Thanks. I'm also recommending a show. This one's on Netflix. It is delightful. And it is called Love Your Garden. So this is a show from the UK in which... Has Mac been watching? Yeah. Have you been watching 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 this? I love this show. It's so fun. So it's hosted by this guy named Alan. Do you know his last name? I forget. He must be well known in the UK. He's like the Mary Berry of gardens. Monty. I thought it was Monty. His first name is Alan. Oh. He might, one of the guys that goes with him might be named Monty. They have oh, the same okay. people in the, every episode. But he'll like show up at your door, and people are super excited to see him because he's there to redo your entire garden for you and make it into a beautiful, lush paradise. And they do every every episode, um, the garden makeovers that they do is for deserving families. So there was like a war hero. There was a family whose daughter sadly died of lymphoma. There was a family who had two young children with like a rare eye disorder and for their garden they put this giant pergola over the entire thing so it was all shaded and it's incredible and of course every garden or like backyard what we would call it in the u.s is like in complete disarray so it's just all dirt and it's all run down and it's horrible and they literally tear up everything in one episode they put in this huge pond and it's first of all heartwarming because it's a deserving family and now they have this place where they can go and escape and enjoy their their home or whatever um and then it's just really fun and it's amazing to see the transformations they do because they do the entire thing like if you're just gardening on your own you put in like one plant and you're you like know. i'm a genius right. I took all day <laughs> but they create these like masterpieces and yeah it's really fun it's delightful if you like to garden i definitely recommend it you'll get a lot of inspiration it's fun to see like what they do in the uk like i mean in a lot of ways gardening is the same but sometimes you know there's differences there's different styles i yes i really love an 
an English garden. They're pretty like cottagey, plant yes. focused, and less lawn focused. That's than, my favorite part about it. Yeah. That's what I want for my garden because I hate mowing the lawn. I think lawns are stupid. I want it to be heavily planted, and that's how all of these transformations are. There are many more plants and flower beds and walkways and you yeah. know ponds and things, and much less grass. Yeah. I saw part of one where they put in a fern wall, and I was really into that. Nice. Yes, they've got ferns. And I like, because they'll go into, like, what plants you can put where. So, like, for the garden where they put in a lot of shade, they spent a lot of time explaining, like, what plants you could get, you know, that will look nice in shade. And you can put these flowers and these kind. And they're, you know, a lot of, they're, I mean, almost all of them you can find in the U.S. Um, the one about the pond was interesting, because you learned about what kind of plants you could plant in a pond, and... Yeah. It does give me serious garden envy. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Sometimes it makes me a little overwhelmed because I'm like, that's what I want, but how do I get there? But that'll yeah. be hundreds of hours of work and I'm not a TV show. And I'll get to enjoy it for three years before I die because it's going to take me the rest <laughs> <Right>. of my life. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I feel. It's like, and this is where we'll put my coffin because by the time we're done with the garden, I'll be dead. Yes. <laughs> by the time all the trees reach maturity, I'm going to be 80. So, yeah, I really like it. I definitely recommend it. It makes me want to be outside planting plants. It's also interesting to watch, like, uh, the BBC version of an HGTV yes. show. Like, because it's, they're not, you know, on, on all of those HGTV shows, they're, they're kind of like, well, well, now let's go to the Lowe's Supply Center. <laughs> and, you know, and I mean, it's like everything's like branded to the an inch of its life. This and one's it's, not. No, well, it's, it's it's very. It's brought calm. to you by the government. Yeah, no, it's it's not a. But it's just weird. It's like almost like they don't know what to do, um, in some ways, and so it gives it this more leisurely pace. And one of my least favorite things about HGTV, and there's a lot, <laughs> is that it's sponsored very heavily by like Remax and real estate development. Mm-hmm. So the focus is always on selling your house. Yeah. It's right. not living in your house. It's not enjoying your house. It's not making something like you're proud of That's or a good you, point. you want to come home to. It's like make everything bland so you can sell it to some boring fuck. Like, <laughs> But this show where it's like make a garden for your family that, you that means something yeah. to you that's like you're going to spend time with at like Yes. It's not about what can, how can we add value to this house so that a realtor will make more profit. You would love the one I mentioned with the pergola because the um I forget her name but the wife, the mother of the two little children loved purple. So they painted the entire thing with like lilac purple. And I was Aww. like that would never happen on an American HGTV <laughs> no. show. This giant pergola that spans the entire yard and it's completely painted purple from top to bottom. It was beautiful and lovely, but you're not going to do that if you're trying to yeah, sell your yeah. house. Somehow you'd have to uh, stick stainless steel appliances and uh, granite in the pergola. Yeah, in the pergola. Yeah. Yes. Well, nobody's gonna buy it if it doesn't have these things. So. Well, that the HGTV shows where they make things outside. Yeah, they do put like stainless steel grills and like gigantic TVs. Yeah, and it's yeah. like we're gonna make this an outdoor man cave. There's oh like God. fireplaces. I think that's. <laughs> see more more caves out there yeah men. yeah but put in an actual cave yeah 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 if you watch those shows you would think no one actually lives in a house we're just in a perpetual state of selling selling them. our houses that's a good yeah. point and something i had never considered but it's so true and that is another reason why i like the show because they emphasize like what do you want like what would make this a fun place for you to hang out and yeah it's usually oh i want a lot of pink flowers like this is your home it's yeah. not just a house like yeah they ask them what they want, and everyone responds, I want to increase the value of my home on the market. <laughs> exactly. Isn't yeah. that what everyone wants? Yeah. So that, that, you know, the, the human dream of living in a house that's valued for more than I bought it for. You know? 
Exactly. Wow. Exactly. All right. Okay. <laughs> I think it's time to go, friends. Is that all we have? Yeah. Let's right. plug our shit. Okay. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all the things. If you wanted to email us a spooky story or I don't know. You got like one week to do it. Something. We're recording our season two finale with Kara. Yes. Get week. in your paranormal tales of those aliens and ghosts and jersey mm-hmm. devils and ogopogos that you saw yep. that's perhaps as you podcast at gmail.com yep uh patreon patreon support our patreon thing. you get a bonus episode a month you get a postcard at the moment you get stickers because we're dumb and that's not sustainable but we're doing it anyway <laughs> and you should give us a five-star review on apple podcasts or itunes or whatever really that thing it. is called and is we only it? we only accept five star reviews. Yeah, don't so bother. Don't otherwise. bother. Don't waste our time. <laughs> and I think that is it. Everybody should get out there and solve some mysteries. Bitches. Go on, bitches. Do it. Bye. Bye. Thanks, everybody. Bye, Mac. Thanks for being here. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>